Welcome to the Practice Sales Podcast presented by Tusk Partners, the only podcast devoted to giving you the tools and insights to sell your dental practice at the highest price. Hey, this is Kevin Cumbus, president of Tusk Partners. It dawned on us that we were using some words and some vocabulary that's normal uh, for us, right? It's, it's just it's just everyday vocab that we use in the business of M&A. Uh, words like EBITDA, multiple, cash flow, equity role, hold co-equity, you name it, right? There's there's this whole treasure trove of vocabulary that we're that we use on this podcast that we wanted to make sure all of our listeners fully understood. So we're going to take a couple minutes here and, and dive into the 10 most frequently used vocab words to ensure that our listeners understand what they mean. So when they're listening to the rest of the podcast, they can go back and go, oh yeah, I, I do remember what private equity is. I do remember what EBITDA is. Uh, so, so feel free to reference this as often as you need to. And if you've got further questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us personally. So without further ado, I'm going to dig into the top 10 vocab words in the DSO mergers and acquisitions world. All right, let's start with number one, DSO. Uh, DSO, right? So you, you've heard of these dental service organizations or DMOs, dental management organizations, or IDSOs, invisible dental service organizations. If you're an orthodontist, you've heard of it, OSO, orthodontic service organizations. Here's the reality. They, they all mean the same thing. Um, the, a, a DSO, by definition, it's actually a legal term, um, is, a, is a legal conduit that allows non-dentists the opportunity to share in the profits from a dental practice. It's a legal construct. What's important to note is the, le- the, the, the rules and regulations vary state by state because it's regulated by the state dental board. So although there's some states in which you don't need a DSO to capture profits as a non-dentist, most of them you do. If you are building a DSO, if you're building a group practice, I strongly recommend that you get a a, a DSO agreement in place. Um, So in the event of an unlikely death, or if you want to bring non-dentist partners in, or ultimately you want to sell your business to a private equity group, you can ensure that the value is captured the, the appropriate way. So that's all a DSO really is, right? It's, and it doesn't imply that there's private equity attached to it. It simply means it's a collection of practices that has the right legal construct for a non-dentist to take cash flows from business operations. All right, so that's number one. Number two is private equity. Um, so private equity companies are, are pools of investors. Uh, they're called limited partners that provide private equity companies dollars to invest inside of the private markets. So private equity companies go out to their to their network of wealthy individuals and say, hey, we're raising a fund and we'd like we're raising a hundred million dollar fund and we're going to invite you to invest. And investors ask them for the investment thesis, where are you going to put my money? And they say, we're going to we're going to invest in healthcare services businesses and likely dental. And then the investor should ask, well, what's the likely return I'm going to get on my money? And and typically the answer is, we hope to return you 20% per year compounded annually, right? So they can kind of 3X their money over a a multi-year period. Um, So the private equity company acts as as the the investor investor on behalf of the limited partners. Uh, 
Uh, again, private equity, uh, it just implies that this is individual investors investing, investing in private businesses. Number three, EBITDA. Okay, if you've been around the DSO world for a minute, you have heard this term. Let's start with what it stands for first, and then I'll tell you what it means and why. EBITDA stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. All right, cool. So now we know what the definition is and kind of what makes up the, the, the term, but what does it mean? It is a proxy for operating free cash flows inside of your business after normalized doctor compensation. Meaning, if you take the net income of your business and you add to that all the personal one-time and non-operating expenses that were run through your profit and loss statement, plus you add any benefit that you, the owner, enjoyed through compensation, be it through distributions or W-2 wages, and then you remove from that what it, the expected clinical compensation would be in the event I, someone needed to replace you clinically, you effectively have your EBITDA. So why does it matter? Why is it calculated this way? Well, um, EBITDA is, is structured in a way to where it's your, it's your net income, your earnings uh, before your interest, in, your interest on your debt, because the buyers don't care about what your capital structure is. They're going to have their own capital structure. So your cost of funding that debt is irrelevant to them for the purposes of this analysis. Uh, the tax piece is typically related to sales taxes and things of that nature. It's really less important in a dental business than it is from a business that sells inventory. Depreciation is how you expense fixed assets over the life of their over their useful life on your income statement. Uh, and they, effectively what EBITDA says about fixed assets is, I really don't care if you've got a brand new ADEC chair or a 20-year-old chair from China. I just care about the utilization of that chair and how much revenue it produces. And then amortization is, is, is the depreciation of goodwill. So if you bought a business and you're amortizing that over a 15-year schedule, and it's in your income statement to decrease your taxable income, we're going to go ahead and add that back too. Because I don't care how you got to where you are, either you built it or you bought it. All I really care about when I'm looking at EBITDA is how much cash flow the business itself is spitting off on each and every day, each and every week, each and every month, and specifically and most importantly, over the last 12 months. Number four, multiple. EBITDA and multiple kind of go hand in hand, hand in glove, right? Um, the multiple is how many times your EBITDA did I pay you for your business to achieve the enterprise value that you received at closing? So I'll repeat that for you. Enterprise value is equal to the EBITDA times the multiple. Now, the multiple is derived from a whole different host of things. Uh, and the multiple is really... Uh, it's driven by how large the EBITDA is, how many doctors you have, uh, where you're located geographically. Um, if was it a competitive process or not? Were there multiple bidders bidding against it? Did, did we did we have a kind of an auction style process? On and on and on. And, and every buyer is going to have a different view of your of what they're willing to pay you as a multiple, and, and um, buyers are going to have a different opinions on what your EBITDA is. As a matter of fact. Um, so that, that's why it's really important to go through a marketed process. Uh, so that's multiple. Number five, 
Now we're going to get into some components of structure of a transaction. We've already introduced the idea of enterprise value. Again, that, that's the EBITDA times the multiple. Now let's get into some of the components of the enterprise value. Number five, cash at close. We all know that cash is king. Uh, cash is, is a portion of the value that re you receive at closing. But there's more to it than that. Number six is the equity role. Some portion of the purchase price many times is allocated to hold co stock uh, that lives inside of the DSO. This is rather illiquid, and you only get the opportunity to monetize that equity when the private equity group that owns the DSO decides to sell to another private equity group. So it's rather illiquid, and you don't have much control over the returns either. Uh, final thing I'll say about equity role is when someone says that they're going to nine X year equity on the next capital event, uh, run. Uh, that that is that is extremely hard to do. So we we spend a lot of time on our side understanding, you know, when is the private equity group going to sell? What have historical returns been? On and on and on. So just always sanity check and dig into uh, that that the expected return on rolled equity. Number seven. JV equity. So this is actually a portion of the enterprise value that you retain inside of the business. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm buying your business for a million dollars. I'm going to pay you $800,000 of cash at close. I'm going to pay you $100,000 of equity to be rolled into Holdco and $100,000 of JV equity that you're going to hold inside of the business that you're selling. So at the end of that trade, you retain 10% of the business on a go-forward basis. What's really cool about this is that typically comes with distributions, normally on a quarterly basis. So it really helps you offset that, that loss of monthly or annual cash flow that you're accustomed to receiving as the owner of the business with these distributions from JV equity. All right, next, number eight management fees. This is especially important if you're retaining JV equity because many DSOs are going to charge a management fee to your practice um, to, to run the business, to support the business, to provide accounting services, HR services, marketing services, you name it, right? That those, those costs don't come for free. Those, those benefits don't come for free. Management fees um, range wildly. I've seen management fees as low as 5%. I've seen them as high as 10%. And you really want to understand why they are charging, what they're charging, because if you own JV equity, that is effectively eating into your distribution. So in our example, where you own 10% of the business post-close, you would think you'd receive 10% of the benefit, 10% of the EBITDA each and every quarter. Not true. The DSO is going to pay themselves their management fee first, and then you'll get 10% of whatever is left over. That's management fees. Number nine, second bite of the apple. I love this term, right? It's, it's you know, the first bite was so good, but the second bite is really, it's, it's the juiciest bite. Well, th this is really speaking to uh, when you've done a transaction, where you roll equity and the private equity group sells to a 
another larger private equity group and you and some of your equity gets redeemed. That is defined as the second bite of the apple. And finally, number 10, allocation of purchase price. The allocation of your purchase price drives what taxes you're going to pay Uncle Sam. In transactions like this, it is close next to impossible to avoid all the taxes that are coming due. So this is a highly negotiated item, and uh, there's really a push-pull in the tax code here where the buyer wants as much of the purchase price as possible allocated to fixed assets because they're able to depreciate those more quickly and decrease their tax burden sooner rather than later. But you, as the seller, you want as much of that valuation allocated to goodwill because you're able to take a, pay a lower tax rate on that portion of the purchase price. To, to help you understand kind of the, the, the difference there, you know, the portion that's allocated to goodwill, you're going to pay about, it's the long-term capital gains rate, whatever it is when you're listening to this, to this podcast today, it's about 20%. And then whatever's allocated to fixed assets, you're going to pay ordinary income taxes on, probably 36, 37%. That's at the federal level. Then there's the state taxes as well. So this allocation of the purchase price really drives net benefit to the owner. Thank you for listening to our top 10 vocab words. I'm sure there'll be more that pops up over, the, over through listening to this podcast. Um, but if you have other questions, feel free to reach out to us directly. Enjoy the podcast.